0: What's up, friends? Grant Walden here. So glad to have you here listening to episode 434 of the Lab podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with a guest who has truly done it all, my friend Lou Diamond. What a name too, by the way, right? Lou Diamond has worked in marketing, tech, finance, professional services, you name it. He's had an amazing journey from a stellar career into speaking that is full of great lessons and how to hone in on your talents and your niche lou has invited me as a guest on his own podcast recently so i'm excited to have him share some of his wisdom with all of us here today now he's not just a speaker but he's also the author of two books mastering the art of connecting and also speak easy. So I think it's pretty easy to figure out what those are about. But Lou is going to talk about how he discovered his unique ability to connect with people and how it led him to writing these different books. But that's not all. In addition to his speaking, to his writing, his consulting work, Lou is also an expert at podcasting, not just having a podcast and being on podcasts, but using podcasting for your business. There is a huge untapped potential for speakers in the podcasting world. Lou is going to give some really great tips on making that work for you. Because of his expansive experience, there's really something here for everybody, no matter what industry you're in or where you're at in your speaking journey. So if you're wondering when it's time to write a book or how to deliver your message in a way that gets through to most people or what to say when you're invited on the podcast, Lou is the guy. So I'm glad to have you here listening with us today. So let's jump right into it. Here's my conversation with Lou Diamond. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, we're chatting with my uh, speaker buddy, Lou Diamond, and uh, was just able uh, to be a guest on his podcast recently. And so now I'm going to be chatting with him, a uh, very successful speaker, and also going to be talking a little bit about uh, some of the success he's had using podcasting for speaking and kind of how to connect the dots there. So, Lou, thanks for uh, taking a couple minutes to catch up with us. Grant, excited to be here, as always. apologize. I'm a little under the weather. I don't have my
1: regular radio DJ voice going on, but, you know, That's okay. hopefully okay. Hey, will come you, off well.
0: Yeah you and I just kind of flip the switch and we go into that, that mode, my, my wife and daughter swear that I have like just normal grant mode. And then I have like speaker mode and it's, and I know it's different, but, uh, I try to tell them like, no, no, it's, it's the same thing. And they're like, no, no, it's two, two different people. I think I have
1: three modes. I have the regular conversational mode. Then there's the, what I do when I'm speaking on stage mode. And then there's the intro thing that i do at the top of the podcast which you get to which you got to experience where i kind of do this like you know grand mc type of way of entering people it's it's those three voices that people will we got a lot of
0: characters living here so uh <laughs> first of all let's start with this once you give us a little bit of context uh for you in terms of today uh how much speaking are you doing who are you speaking to what are you speaking about how does speaking kind of fit into your world right now
1: yeah so my my world is kind of like in a third a third a third um where I'm, where I'm speaking a third of the time, I'm doing what we'll call my sales and leadership consulting work. The other third of the time, and then there's the podcasting aspect of not only just hosting the podcast show, but also doing the podcasting as a business and actually helping to train uh, podcasters on how they can actually monetize that. So that's pretty much the the split of where things are going. And fittingly, it's it's all connected because what I do speak about is helping people to learn how to connect, engage, and win through the power of great conversations and really decoding how you can speak easy so you can connect with every conversation. And that's the message that I speak about. That's the work that I do with a lot of the top clients I work with to help them better connect, whether in sales, marketing, or leadership. And obviously, connecting through the conversations I have in the podcast is a chance for me to practice what I preach and uh, get those reps in, if you would, so that I can continue to practice doing the thing that is all about how you need to be in every conversation and that sense of presence so that you can actually make the connections you need to.
0: Are there any particular industries that you're, you, the majority of your work is
1: in? So it falls into three buckets. I'd say um, marketing slash technology, financial services. And then professional services and professional services like consulting accountants, um, a lot of insurance people who like kind of fall into that that financial services side as well, Um, which makes sense because my career fell into those buckets. Uh, I worked on Wall Street in financial services. I also worked at a a marketing technology firm, which helped to launch some of the earliest websites when they came out. And uh, I came from a professional services background, so those three buckets tend to be the ones that I can relate the most to and help connect my message to the roles that those people have in those organizations.
0: You touched on a little bit there, but let's kind of go back in time. Uh, So you you mentioned you were working on Wall Street, and then what else was like pre-speaking Lou life like? I think I was always speaking.
1: Um, It was just more a matter of whether I was getting paid or not to do it, right? So uh, I started out working in the consulting world. Uh, Well, if I want to go even further back, uh, I worked for my father's retail jewelry store. And it was a very, very small store, I kid you not, it was like nine feet wide by 60 feet in length, where basically there was like, you know, one little aisle for people to walk up and down and then like the showcase counter in front and that was the connection I'd have with people. And having to learn from a very young age how to sell and connect with people and help them, you know, get meaningful gifts for their for holidays or loved ones or engagement gifts or, or whatever it might be, presents for Christmas. Um, a lot of my time was trying to understand that one-to-one connection you could have in relating with people. When I graduated college, I worked in professional services. I worked for what is now Accenture, it was called Anderson Consulting way back in the Neolithic era, and, uh, then Deloitte Consulting. And that to me was about kind of helping companies connect, uh, whether it was from the projects we worked on technology and I worked a lot in financial services, But uh, a lot of the roles that I had in that were helping to win new business. So I was always in a business development and sales role in the consulting practice. And that carried over when I went to work in the marketing technology firm, this company called Organic, uh, where I worked for them. That was when the Internet just started and we watched the Internet go up and then a little bit of that 2001 boom and burst kind of thing. And, uh, but all the work had always been in financial services, uh, the industries that I either helped consult for, or even the, the internet technology firms that I dealt with, we built some of the first websites for Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, and Salomon Brothers. So what we ended up doing was uh, leaving, I ended up leaving that line and actually going to the front lines of working on Wall Street in an institutional sales role, because that customer service line was where I always focused on. And I did that for about 12 to 14 years, helping my clients connect with the solutions that they needed, uh, the financial service packages that they needed, the unique bonds or hedges or all that stuff. It was pretty high tech stuff, too, you know, at that date. Um, But at some point or another, Grant, I, I knew I had a different message because the way that I worked with people was a lot different than what other people had done. It wasn't to me a very transactional relationship. I was much more about creating really strong connections, and I'd always had, whether through companies, through individuals, just in the relationships I even had personally, and I had a unique way of connecting. So I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do, but I knew I had a message to deliver. And through a little bit of a story and kind of a funny, weird, small world, I ended up Going on a business trip with a friend, I was actually moonlighting, to be completely honest. I was working both Wall Street and this uh, helping this guy out. We went to a trade show out in Las Vegas that he had been going to for six previous years. He had never closed any business while he was there. We were there for two and a half days. I helped him close two deals, inked while we were there. And within 30 days, five more of the conversations that we had led to that. On the flight home, he handed me a piece of paper and a pad and said, you need to share what you think is normal to you, but it isn't to everybody else what you do, because I've never seen anyone interact this way. And I ended up writing Master of the Art of Connecting. And in Master of the Art of Connecting, I kind of broke down your connecting core, what, how you kind of have to be to connect with other people, what's inside of us that makes us want to connect. Um, I started promoting the book. I started getting hired to speak about the book. And before you knew it, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, that work of connecting was where I was going to set out and help companies improve on the way that they can better connect. So that's kind of the, my starting story and how I started getting into professional speaking. And I became the connecting guy, uh, the one who gets out there and helps to people understand what, not necessarily what you need to do and not what you need to say, but how you need to be in every instance that you're with to improve the connections in your lives.
0: So I got a bunch of questions here from from that story. Thanks for sharing all that. So uh, when you are in Vegas, and even on the way back, and again, what's kind of normal, natural to you is just kind of mind boggling to your buddy, Buddy's like, hey, you, you should absolutely, you know, make this a bigger part of your world, whatever that may look like. And maybe at that point, you know, you, you don't have any idea what that looks like. But even then, were you thinking about like maybe you've done some presentations before for work oh, and yeah. done some consulting and like I would love to do more of this. I just I I don't know where to go from here. And so hearing that from a friend, uh, is that kind of validating to you or is that like holy crap I've never thought of this before or like what kind of headspace were you in at that time? Yeah.
1: So so going all the way back to those consulting days, I, I was on the business development team, so I was always delivering pitches and giving presentations. So I was always speaking and always presenting. I. Um, When I made the move into the marketing technology firm Organic, I ran business development and was giving pitches nonstop. So it was always selling and presenting and having to establish that relationship with clients. So delivering a message in a unique way that would try to resonate with the people I would speak to. When I worked on Wall Street, it was definitely more one-on-one type of selling. It wasn't like me getting in front of an audience and pitching, and I definitely missed it. I'd say one of the things that was calling back to me, and I I can even go back to the fact that I used to be on stage. I used to act as a kid. Um, I played basketball, and I wouldn't graduate high school unless I was in a bunch of the plays. I said, I even quit halfway through my senior year of the basketball team because I'm like, I got to be in this show. And the coach was a little more uh, flexible. He was really good with me. He's like, you're only going to get limited playing time anyway. Hit the stage. You'll do really good up there. So, so I've always wanted to give it, deliver a message. And a lot of the work that I had done was try and help people understand maybe the way I think. And try to get them to relate to how they can start to think this way too. Because it could be helpful to them. And I think that shifted in a lot of the ways I deliver my message today. Because today I've learned how much more important the conversation is. And in fact, showing people how they can make that connection through the conversation. So a lot of the way I speak today, Grant, isn't just getting up there and telling a story or teaching a certain lesson on how you can connect. But a lot of it is interactive and trying to engage an audience into creating the conversation as part of the showcase of what my keynote message actually is.
0: Interesting. So you are coming back from Vegas and kind of, again, have this reassurance that like, maybe I should be doing this. But it sounds like you've got a good, stable, secure job. Yeah, I'm sure you're you're paid really well. Uh, You know, doing a Wall Street gig is kind of a prestigious type of role. So where do you go from there of going like, I have this safe, secure thing. You're deep into your career. And then like, I'm playing with this idea of speaking and I I don't know what I don't know. And I don't even know where to begin. So walk us through like, what, what happened from there to start to take some steps towards becoming a professional speaker?
1: One, my wife thought I was completely crazy. No, no. I mean, I,
0: <laughs>
1: I, I knew something was wrong inside. I was not happy, which was something weird for me because I'm always happy. I'm generally a positive, always smiling kind of person. and And I think maybe the first realization, Grant, was that the work that I was doing when I worked on Wall Street, which was really fun and enjoyable, and I love the people I work with, but the work itself wasn't as fulfilling to me anymore. It was missing something. It was missing the ability to connect with others that are outside of the sphere of just working on Wall Street. So I had kind of this calling that I knew I needed to do something else. But it was more along the lines of delivering this message on how we can connect better. Not necessarily delivering that message on stage in front of companies. It was more to work with teams in certain groups to help them better understand. A lot of my ways of having people understand how they could have better conversations and connect at each and every time is something you have to practice. You have to get hands on with. And I love that immersive feeling of being in that more workshop environment. But I was able to translate, almost like take a blimp view of this message and deliver that in a pretty powerful message, which became the message of Speak Easy, to connect with every conversation and show people the easy ways to go about doing that. So it wasn't the first thought. The first thought was to help others learn how they can apply this into their daily routine from a sales, marketing, and leadership point of view. When I started to realize the breadth of how my message actually can carry over to lots of different industries and lots of different audiences I shaped a message that would really relate to how people can use this message and use these tools that I help people teach so that they can connect with every conversation in in a fun and enjoyable environment.
0: So even, but, but to that end, like, what are the, those, any of those earlier steps of going like, I, I have this message, I want to help people with it. Speaking as one, you know, methodology or, or, or route I could take. There's a lot of different ways, but um, once you kind of land on, okay, speaking kind of the, the path for me again, trying to figure out like, yeah, but how do I get a gig? And, and <laughs> is this something like people even hire speakers to talk about and, and how much do I even charge? And what, like, what was that first paid gig like for you? So what's
1: really funny was my first paid gig was one of the highest paid gigs I'd gotten ever to, to present. I ended up getting $25,000 to deliver my message and lead a workshop in, in a three-hour session in the morning. Now, why did it work that way? Was, was, who was the audience I went to? The people that I knew were this Wall Street crowd, and there was a small Wall Street firm that I actually wanted to do business with, and they said, what do you think it would cost? And I just said, this is what it should be. Now, I knew that I couldn't get that each and every time, and I knew I had a specific skill set, at least to start, but it helped me range what the possibilities could be. And it also showed uh, me something real important that I did a couple of those gigs where I showed up and delivered a quick keynote and then I'd leave. To me, that felt incomplete. To me, it had to get people really involved and it had to be a very immersive experience that was more than me just telling people what they needed to do. I needed to ask and listen and really dive into curiosity when I present. So to understand what the market was like, was unique because then I started going to the other walks of life of who I used to work with, going to other consulting firms, going to other marketing firms. And obviously that's when I learned there were different budgets for what they could afford to do for this stuff. So um, I think I figured out really early on because of the fact that I started a lot later and I was in my 40s already doing this stuff and had many years of experience, me coming in and being useful and productive right away helped to put a little bit of a higher level price tag on what I would actually charge to speak. So I was, I was always working in that five-figure range anytime I'd go present. And I always encouraged that it was more of kind of a workshop environment than just me going up there to speak, say hi, goodbye, give my message, and then walk out the door.
0: Right, right. One of the things you touched on earlier was that with your initial book, that that really opened the door for a lot of speaking engagements. And the 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 speaking industry tends to be kind of split on this. There's some people that say you, you definitely got to have a book, and a book is going to be kind of your you know the the um, it's going to open a lot of doors for you. And other people are like I did a book, it didn't do squat for me. Um, everybody's experience is going to be a little bit different. So what have you kind of found? Like how important is a book for a speaker? Uh, do you feel like that's still just as relevant and necessary today as it was whenever you released your book initially, what's kind of been your, your experience on that?
1: So, and, and I've, I've written two books and, and both in both. Well, the first time I was more or less kind of forced and coached to say, you need to tell the world this from my, my work colleague. And that's what inspired master the art of connecting. Um, I did not want to write another book after master the art of connecting until I really had a message to share. Uh, one, I think a book does add credibility. I think it adds uh, a really good structure, also for how people can could absorb the work that you do. Um, take your message and put it in functionally to whatever your whatever your message is. I read a book recently about mindfulness, and it was really process oriented. Where I would have thought it would have been much more open and airy, it was a really good structured book. And I said, "Wow, I would love to hear this particular speaker." explain these lessons and these methodologies, because I'm that way. I like to see things with kind of maybe a system or a little organized way of, of thinking versus just telling really great stories or personal anecdotes that really connect. I love to bleed those two together, show how a story can be relevant with a lesson that you can learn within it. So if you're thinking, if you don't need to have a book, but it certainly helps. And I would actually argue it also helps you hone your message a little more clearly and more specifically. What I found fascinating was that my second book, Speak Easy, wrote itself from a lot of the lessons that I've learned, not just speaking, but from what ended up transpiring from me hosting a podcast program. And the message of what Speak Easy has was actually a much more inclusive and more fun message that carried over. It was a, much, it was a new and improved version of Master of the Art of Connecting, but at the real core of where I'm actually the most effective on how I can deliver my message, which is helping people understand that having the better conversation. And I got my reps in having a lot of those conversations, hosting a podcast and speaking and melded all that together. Um, I think it's a great thing to have in your toolkit to have a book. I don't believe it's a requirement. I think it has to be something though that is on brand with you and on message that flows really nicely with the keynote or, workshop presentation that you deliver.
0: Yeah, I would really echo that, especially on the the experience of whenever you are presenting a talk, you're getting real-time feedback and you're able to make tweaks and adjustments and people, you know, ask questions or touch base with you afterwards. And, you know, you take some of the questions that they have and you can kind of tweak your message. And over time, as you get that real-time feedback from an audience, that then you it uses to inform what you're going to create in the book, you know what the audience in, at large is asking, what they're struggling with, where they feel stuck. Uh, and it helps make the product better versus if you go try to write a book in a vacuum and then you come back out and you're like, I hope I got it right. Uh, I think it's a lot more difficult. So in many ways, the 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 speaking, doing workshops, doing keynotes, whatever it may be, can kind of become a laboratory for the material that ends up becoming a book later on.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly what happened. And, and uh, and you could actually see that result in how much better the quality of Speakeasy is versus Master the Art of Connecting, where I really didn't have that hands on workshop you get the experience and kind of like put all these things in there. Master the Art of Connecting was the way that I believed things was. So it was very much telling me the way I think, which is important, but not nearly as important as incorporating what I've listened to and what I've learned from others and incorporated that into a message that can resonate with more people.
0: Let's shift gears for a second. You touched on the, the podcasting. I want to talk about that because that's been a, a big part of your business, not just uh, for for your business itself, but also for the speaking that you're doing. Uh, and in fact, um, about a year ago or so at the uh, National Speakers Association, you gave a presentation talking about how speakers can better incorporate podcasting. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But for context, kind of set the stage here. When did you get into podcasting? And, and at this point, like how, how many episodes have you done? Well... On one
1: particular show, we're, we're close to 900 episodes and there have been other programs. So I think we counted it up recently. I'm closer to 1300 episodes that I've hosted, produced or whatever. It's, it's kind of maddening. But Grant, I can't think of a more funny story for your program here. Uh, so going back to Master the Art of Connecting, when I was going out and promoting it, I, I did some TV spots. I, I got written up in certain magazines. And at that particular point, podcasting had just started to really come into the popular mainstream, and people were starting to, you know, go on these different podcasts. And I didn't really know the space that well, and I went on a couple of programs, and every time I finished a program, somebody said, dude, your name's Lou Diamond, you, you should have your own show, this would be great. And I, and I kept thinking about it, and, and it took one bad podcast for me to realize that I now know what I want, the message I want to deliver. And to put it in perspective, Grant, is we're having an open conversation here. Listeners need to know Grant doesn't give you a script or anything like that. We're just having a conversation here. Well, this particular program that I went on, and I'll keep their name out of it to protect the innocent or the guilty, whichever way you want to go, they gave me this pre scripted set of questions, which I had to fill out and type out. There was a pre prep, sorry, a preparatory call, not with the host, with someone on the production team to go over the specific answers. And what they wanted me to do was to read the answers that I wrote down. Now, I did not necessarily keep to the script in this rehearsal. And the assistant producer stopped me and said, you know, you varied from the script. And I go, well, you really just want to hear what I wrote down? I mean, we could just get a voice app and, and read it that way. And then I said, you know what, do me a favor, cancel my scheduled interview with the host because if this is the version of myself that has to be out there, I, I don't want that version. I got off the, the, the call with this person, and I called up one particular person who wanted me to start a podcast, and I was going to be their, their baby first you know, beta client. Would you want to do this? I called up. I go, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the exact opposite of what that guy's show was, and I'm going to start a show um, called Thrive Loud, and my business's name was Thrive, and Loud is Lou D, which is kind of a play on my name, and that kicked it off. The gift of podcasting, as you know, Grant, better than most, hosting a great program, is not only that you get to have great conversations, but you get to make relationships, connections, and sitting in the seat that you're sitting in right now has been the greatest gift ever. The, the learning experiences, the, the, the knowledge, the incredible people I've had the opportunity to like add into my circle of life not only has helped me in my speaking career, because it did, it connected me to a lot of professional speakers and people who book speakers and companies that wanted to hire me to speak, which was the main goal. But I did such a good job of it, Grant, that all of a sudden, people started asking me to speak about podcasting. And now I was like, wait a minute, I went into podcasting so that I can get more speaking gigs to talk about connecting. Well, it turns out I'm connecting podcasting and now they're hiring me to speak about podcasting. I go, that wasn't the plan? Well, it turns out to be a great plan because you're right. One of the things that I've had great fortune in experiencing and being a podcast host and not only doing a good job of it, but I've seen and helped people do a really good job on how they can really launch their book successfully when they go through a podcast tour, communicate and promote their own podcast effectively across the podcast sphere and their own business effectively. Use the guest seat, as an opportunity for you to get hired to speak and make more money. And I started writing all these different tips and tricks down. And then sure enough, the the presentation we met last year, last February, uh, I got to speak about how you can make money as a guest and as a listener in podcasting and all these different monetization techniques, which took all of those consulting and financial service experience I've had in my life and just kind of spin it into this really incredible medium, which keeps me sharp every time I get a chance to either be a guest or a host whatever seat I'm in and maybe more importantly we are creating incredible content and giving a chance to help others learn from you at 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 a, at a level that you never could have imagined right i have listeners to my show and there are a lot of them have been on the program but when i go on your program i'm tapping into others that have never heard me speak before and it's a wonderful network of great people but it's also a wonderful way for speakers to kind of figure out their little playground about what messages resonate, sound good, and in a way that gets behind the scenes, if you would, because obviously when you're on stage, you're very focused on delivering your message in a certain amount of time. In a in a podcast, you can really understand, well, why do you talk about that message or how did this became your gig? And I think that is so much more entertaining um, I liken it to, we always love the behind the scenes grant when they showed like a movie, right? The movie was great. You love the movie. But when you watch that like special edition on the Blu-ray disc or, you know, the special behind the scenes feature on one of the streaming networks to learn what went into the preparation of a role, what went into the research behind what you did, like that's the stuff we like. And that's what we connect with. That's what makes podcasts so much fun and, and so enjoyable from both sides of the microphone.
0: So to that end, like, how could a speaker who maybe, whether they have a podcast or they're considering hosting a podcast or they do some uh, some, uh, guesting on other podcasts or want to do more of that, how can speakers use podcasting to generate more speaking gigs?
1: So I'm going to do this from um, the most popular way that they should do it, and that is not to be a host. You and I are hosts of programs, and while being a host, is for us and fits well maybe with our brands and, and our platforms, it might not fit for everybody. But being a guest, any professional speaker should take advantage of. And whether you have a new book, whether you have a new talk, whether you just want to kind of like rehit the circle again and get yourself relevant. I, I said this in that presentation um, when I spoke last year. People that hire speakers listen to podcasts. This is the number of listeners of podcast continues to grow every single year. But what's really great about podcasting is who is listening. People that literally are meeting planners, they go around and they want to hear the behind the scenes, just like I was describing about a speaker and what they're really about. Uh, They want to know who's relevant in the circuit and who everybody's talking about and no different than, you know, being able to catch the newswire and see a hot topic that's going around. Well, podcast is the forum where great speakers can connect and, get their new message out, if they have a new book, a new story, a new a new way that they want to connect with people, this is the medium that you should be on to make sure that you get your name out there. And speakers can use this platform to give a little dose of their message and then amazingly have all these other podcasters help promote you. We're going to finish this episode. Your team is going to put my picture up and promote this episode across the podcast sphere. What better way to promote yourself when you're trying to get more speaking gigs than to have somebody else do it for you? So I always state this, take advantage and be the guest that you want to be in that seat. And another key tip that I always give if you're going to be a guest as, um, to try and get hired as, as a speaker and sit in that guest seat, two big tips. One, be spectacular. Remember, when you step on stage and you give a, a speech for 30 minutes, maybe there's 400, 500 people in the audience or more, if you're lucky, that get a chance to hear it. And sure, it might be recorded and videotaped and you will then edit it down to a 30-second or four-second clip in your sizzle reel on your website. But the podcast interview and all those different podcasts avenues have in years is out there in perpetuity forever. And anyone can hear your message wherever you go, which is just absolutely awesome that your message is actually more important on a podcast than it is on a keynote because more people will hear it than those that will actually hear you on the stage that you went to go speak on. So the reality is, is that the people who have a greater likelihood of hiring you are gonna hear you on a podcast more so than they hear you on a stage. So one, be spectacular. And two, the big part that I think is so important for every single Um, podcast every every single opportunity as a speaker to be a podcast guest is that you must remember this lesson it's more important that they know that the podcast happened than whether they listen to it or not i always say this to podcasters and they freak Mm, out it's more important that you know that the podcast happened you listen to it here's the story behind this grant a friend of mine who is an amazing screenwriter was a guest on my podcast show and i was so excited to have this guy on he's a big time screenwriter he's he's uh, his name is Mark Bombeck. Mark wrote the new movies, the Planet of the Apes movies. And he also did the movie uh, Unstoppable with uh, Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. And he wrote that. And he's a big time guy. And he's in Hollywood. He's really famous. And he also happens to live in, in a town that I, grew, that I live in. And when that, was it, when that happened and I had him on the show, I shared the podcast episode on my own personal feed, not my business feed, my own personal feed in Facebook. And I would run into people and I'd be like, did you listen to the show? what'd you think? Did you like it? Did you check it out? You know what most people did? They came up to me, they go, Lou, I saw you had Mark on your podcast. That's amazing. That's awesome. I'm like, what did you think? I'm like, I didn't get to it yet, but it's on my list of things to do. I was totally disappointed by this grant. I'm like, nobody's listening to the freaking podcast. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks, but they knew it happened. That was way more important If you're a speaker and you go on a show and someone has the opportunity, you promote the bejeebies out of this thing. Put this on every one of your social feeds, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, where everybody is, and let everybody know. They'll get to it and listen to it where it's possible. But what are they going to know? They're going to know that Lou Diamond was on Grant Baldwin's amazing TSL podcast show. They're going to know that this guest was on the Thrive Loud podcast. They're going to know about it. And when they get to it in their own convenience, you're going to be top of mind. When you're a speaker, and by the way, when they're thinking about who's top of mind and they're looking for speakers to hire, podcasting is one heck of a way to promote for it.
0: Interesting. That's really good. I hadn't, I'd never really thought about it that, that angle before. Uh, all right. A couple of follow-up questions on this. One would be, um yes, sounds like being on more podcasts may be, you know, one of the tickets to uh, potentially booking more gigs. Does it depend on the type of podcast, the genre of podcast, uh, the industry? How much of a factor is that going to play? One, but then two is also going to be like, okay, great. I'm supposed to be on more podcasts. How do I get on more podcasts? What, What would be the action steps there?
1: I'm a big fan of picking a lane to be in. So if you are a speaker in, let's say, marketing technology, By the way, the best part about podcasting out there is this lovely thing in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. You can search and they tag the category of your show. My show happens to be on speakers, entrepreneurialism and marketing and technology and stuff like that, right? So if somebody's looking to be in that space, they could come on Thrive Loud and that's where they can go. But if you're interested in going in the marketing technology space, well, there's a whole series of podcasts that you can go on. There's this one great speaker, um, he's a leader in the advertising space, his name is Jonathan Sackett. Two years ago, he decided he was just going to own one lane, and this guy went on 24 of the top 30 podcast shows in the marketing technology space. Amazingly, he got hired four times on consulting gigs for being guests on that show, and three separate times to be keynotes at other conferences in that space. found his lane, went in it and was on it. And he was the top of mind person because everybody wanted this guy on his show. So if you have a specific lane and a specific expertise as a speaker, find the specific podcast. Oh, by the way, there is one out there. There's multiple ones in the particular field and area that you want to go in. Go to that lane and own that lane. Take it over. Be the best freaking guest you can be on every one of them. Trust me. Somebody is listening to that show and is going to think about it. And whether they listen or not, doesn't matter. Oh, they know that Grant Baldwin is the guy who helps speakers and understands the speaker business. That's a guy I want speaking at my conference. Let's get him on. That's how it works.
0: Is it going to be different in certain industries where this is going to be much more common than in, in other industries? Certain industries have way more shows um, than
1: others. Uh, and in some of them are harder to get on. What I, so now answering your second question is, how do you get on these shows? I'm going to tell you the best kept secret in podcasting listeners. You need to know this. Reach out to the get to the hosts of the show. Reach out to the hosts of the show and try and connect with either the guest or try and get yourself on or just ask, hey, I'd love to be on your program. If you're a professional speaker, I'm going to let you know a little inside trick. Speakers are really good on podcasts because they speak professionally and they speak well. They're amazing guests. They have fun topics. They have a wide range of variety. They're usually charismatic, usually have a good stage presence, so they're great for your listeners. So professional podcasters or podcast hosts love speakers. So if you're a speaker and you want to get on a certain lane of a show, go out and reach out and ask them. The other way to do it is to make sure you follow them on social media feeds. If a certain person is on a show and they post it on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, whatever it is, follow the link, comment on it, maybe even DM them directly to say, hey, I really love this episode trust me, we love feedback. We love hearing people that love our podcast. And I'm very open to people coming on my show who will ask me, Lou, I've got a really good message to share. I'd love to be on. And by the way, for the most part, we're pretty open on making sure people come in. We do three shows a week on Thrive Loud. We're crazy. So we want people to come on. So reach out proactively to get on these programs and plan it out ahead of time. Pick your lanes, the ones you want to be on, the ones that make sense. And ask those hosts to be on and befriend them, socially connect with them, and you're going to increase the likelihood that you'll get get on. One other really good tip, speakers, use your speaker friends to do this. A lot of us professional speakers have been on a lot of different shows. Maybe those are shows that you should be going on too because you might speak on a similar topic or in a specific lane. Reach out to your fellow speakers and have them do an email introduction. They'll be glad to do so because hopefully you would do the same for them in the future and return the favor. So great ways to use what I'll call connect working through podcasting. Use your network and connect with those folks and use podcasting as a means to establish better relationships.
0: One thing you touched on earlier was once you're on the show as a guest is to be spectacular. But anything else that we should be doing on the show itself, just to connect the dots, because just because you, you give a, a great interview or you're a great guest doesn't necessarily mean a listener is going like, oh, I should hire that person to speak. They don't always make that connection. So is there anything that should happen, any type of call to action, just to help connect the dots in the mind uh, of a listener who may be looking for a speaker or may know of someone who's looking for a speaker?
1: So one of the things you got to remember is that most podcasts today, specifically the Successful ones are shifting towards doing both audio and video. So be stage ready. Look like you're ready to pop on stage and bring the energy that you normally do. I like to tell people, prepare for being a guest on a podcast like you would a keynote. Make sure you know that listen to that guest show beforehand. Get a feel Get a feel for the type of questions that the guests um, the host will ask you. And be prepared on there because you want the best version of yourself to show up. I've had too many speakers, by the way, not be spectacular. They show up like they woke up just out of bed. They've had a couple of drinks the night before. Their voice is a little hoarse. They didn't get camera ready. You got to remember that you have no idea who's going to see you the next time you speak. I, use, I call it the Michael Jordan uh, way of doing this. I'm sure if you're a, a big fan of sports, whether it's Michael Jordan or Joe DiMaggio, they used to have this belief That every time they stepped on the field, they had to make it like that someone was going to be seeing them for the very first time. I think that's how you should approach going on podcast shows. You have to go on thinking that there's someone in the audience who might hire you, thinking that someone might see you in a social feed without even the sound on and say, that's somebody that I might want on an event. So bring your stage presence onto your podcast performances and treat it like a keynote. You do that, you're going to, first of all, practice your messaging and delivery but also, you will have the appearance of the professional that people are looking to hire for
0: their particular event. Good stuff, Lou. We appreciate you taking a minute. Uh, I know there's a lot of other stuff that we could uh, we could cover here, but I want to be respectful of time. Uh, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Easiest thing is to find me anywhere in social media at
1: Thrive T H R I V E L O U D. You can also go to ThriveLoud.com where you can learn all about my speaking, my consulting, and if you head on over to SpeakEasyBook com. You'll get a chance to go get a copy of Speakeasy and learn how you can connect with every
0: conversation. Awesome. Lou, thanks for the time, buddy. We appreciate it. No, I appreciate you, Grant. Thank you. All right, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, I want you to know that we do this podcast simply because we want to serve and support speakers like you. We don't charge anything for you to listen, but in return, we do have one small favor to ask. Would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening? Right now, hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a rating and review within iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We read every single one of them and they also help other people to find the show. Also, if you are looking to take the next step in growing your speaking business, be sure and check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com. we got a ton of free resources and tools there. And you can also learn more about the programs that we offer, which include one-on-one coaching. Our mission here is to help you find the confidence, clarity, and clear path that you need to own your speaking success. So again, check us out over at thespeakerlab.com. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us and we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.